what's up, risers? My name is Brent. I get the privilege of being your lead pastor. We're going to continue to experience God together today. And we always want to celebrate as we get started. There is so much to celebrate. Uh, last weekend was Memorial Day, and we had our annual Memorial Day picnic at what used to be Brandon Swim and Aquatic Center. Now it's High Five. And uh, super uh, uh, excited about that. That was such a blast. How many of you went to that? That was so much fun, so much fun. We had a... Uh, Almost 400 people there at that, and, uh, and we learned that some people can dive off the diving board and other people can't, and uh, uh, it, it was a blast. It was a blast. Also, I want to mention this. This is another win. Uh, a few, maybe a month ago, five weeks ago, I'm not sure exactly, but we had an offering for Egypt, and you might remember we took up a special offering to partner with other churches for Egypt. Uh, our church gave about, uh, I think it was about $10,000 in that offering, but all together, through the churches combined, we gave just over $600,000 to helping the church in Egypt. Yeah. Isn't that awesome? Love, 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 love that. All right, so if you're new to our church, we have a lot of core values. There's seven different core values that we talk about from time to time. I want to start out today by talking about that and then flipping it uh, into a biblical principle in a few minutes. But, but we say this, we value creativity. Being led by the Spirit means being willing to try new things. Now, of all of our core values, there's a couple that are very distinctive to us. Like, like they kind of separate us from a lot of other churches. Uh, and this is one of those core values because we are not afraid to change and adapt. In fact, not only are we not afraid to do it, it's just kind of what we do. It's just kind of normal for us. Uh, it, that comes probably from my spirit. I am very, uh, I, I'm very adapt to change. It's very normal for me, and I haven't gotten old enough yet to, to, to get too set in my ways. Um, and so, so um, it's just very natural for us, but I want this to always be natural for us because culture is always changing. And if you haven't realized, we don't live in a Christian America anymore. Welcome to Kansas, Toto. Or what is it? No, we're not in Kansas anymore, Toto. Um, and so therefore, we have to think like missionaries in order to reach the community around us. And if you're going to do that, we have to be willing to change. And, uh, and so we talk about that a lot. And, and we value creativity, but it's not, when people think creativity, they tend to think painting and arts. That's part of it. That, that's part of it. But what we're really trying to say here is that we are always willing to change and adapt and move forward. That's just part of our church culture. It's who we are. And so today I get to announce uh, seven different people uh, that are involved in changes and adaptations happening around Arise. And uh, so first and foremost, let's talk about Mike and Christina Braddock. Don't you love Pastor Mike and Christina? Yeah. Absolutely love Pastor Mike and Christina. Uh, pastor Mike's title is changing from campus pastor to creative arts pastor. As you see him up here leading worship, he's going to be focusing on worship and social media is a big part of it, but then a lot of other stuff. If you ever know anybody's job description in a church world, I don't know how this works in the business world, but there's always at the end it says, and whatever else you're asked to do. Yeah. And so he's going to be switching to that. Uh, Christina has been amazing here helping as an, a, a director, but she's actually switching uh, to the high five I just mentioned to, Brandon Swim and Aquatic Center. Uh, they stole her up almost practically while we were there at the event. And uh, so she's going to be transferring to work there. But they're both here, and they're both excited. Things are good. It's all positive. These are all healthy changes for the church. And what that means is that Pastor Tina is going to step into to campus and community development. And uh, so she's going to be, yeah, put your hands together for Pastor Tina. 
She's still very much involved in the community, but with COVID going on, there's a little bit less involvement that's even able to be involved than has in the past. And so she's going to be here, and, uh, and this really, she's always been here anyway, or most of the time been here, and she's going to be the primary communicator here at the South Shore campus. Uh, and with that being said, we also want to mention uh, Pastor Pete and Whitney Kramer. These are our new Connections pastors. Yep. We introduced them to Brandon last week and South Shore this week. These are the ones that will be calling people when they're guests and running the systems when they're guests. Now down here, Pastor Tina does that more, uh, but the whole systems for the overall church come from Pastor Pete and uh, uh, really excited for what he brings to the table. Um, he is an amazing man of God, him and his wife both. Uh, she's an amazing woman of God. She's not a man of God, but... But they are amazing, and literally they were my, my top priority to try to reach in and snag them, going fishing with him on Marco Polo, if you know what that is. Uh, saying, hey, you might be interested in this. I don't know. Uh, but this, this next one definitely does address here, in effect here, uh, Johnny and Vanessa Turpin. Johnny Turpin will be our new youth pastor down here. Yep. Yep. You may not know him as well because he's newer to our church and newer to the South Shore campus, but it won't take you but about five seconds of being around him to get to know him because he can walk up to a door and make friends. He's just that guy. And you're going to love Pastor Johnny and what he brings to the table. also want to mention Daisy and Danny. I'm not even going to try to say Danny's last name. They are not yet married, but they're engaged. They're on the journey getting there. And Danny, Danny and Daisy are going to be leading our college uh, kind of young adult ministry that's kind of under 30-ish uh, in our church and leading that. And they're going to take it to a whole nother level. It's going to be amazing and awesome, and you're going to love that. Uh, Pratyash and Ashley, uh, they are awesome, yeah? They come to us by way of our India campus, and they are now leading our outreach and evangelism teams. And so uh, you're going to hear a lot more about some of those things, not just door hanger blitzes, but that's part of it. In fact, somebody just had this amazing idea of getting an ice cream truck and driving it around and giving away free ice cream and, and evangelizing. I'm like, bro, bro, I'm all, I'm all, I'm, you, you had me an ice cream truck. So Pratyash and Ashley are amazing. And then during the summertime, as, as kind of a, a, a short-term gap, while we hire another admin assistant here, uh, T Jenna Blunt is going to be here doing admin work, so you may see her running around. Yep. We all love Jenna. Didn't she do a great job on Mother's Day, by the way? Yeah, she got to speak for Mother's Day. It was awesome. And so she's a teacher right now, so in the summer she has it free, so she can step in and, uh, and be, a, be kind of a gap while we hire somebody coming into the fall. So with that being said, would you guys who I just, all of you guys, just including Jenna, just come on up. And we want to pray over you, and Ada, come on up. We want to pray over you. This is just some of our new changes, some of our new team members, directional things, and um, all of them are good, and all of them are exciting. <coughs> I would see if anybody wants to say anything, but the truth is you're a bunch of preachers and I'd never get the mic back. We'd have to take an offering after each one. So, yeah, get up, keep stepping until your faces are in the light. All you tall people, keep stepping, keep stepping, keep stepping. Like, you need to be up here, yeah. Yeah, that's a pet peeve of mine is when people, like, you can't see their face. You see their torso. Pastor Ada, would you lead us in prayer? Absolutely, overall? absolutely. Father, first of all, thank you so much for the body of Christ, Lord, for these ministers of the gospel, Lord, who have said yes to the call. Lord God, you have anointed them. 
Um, you have called them, Lord. You have set them apart for your glory, and I thank you, Father, for their yes. Lord, and I thank you for what they're going to do in the future here at Arise and in the kingdom of God. Lord, for the souls that are going to be one, for the lives that are going to be changed. I thank you for your power that rests on each one of them and flows through them, God, to see this world changed for your glory. And Father, I just thank you for your blessings right now over every endeavor that they put their hands to, that they put their hearts to, that they put their minds to. And Lord, that you will use them mightily in your kingdom and for your glory in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Come on, one more time. Put your hands together for these amazing leaders. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. I know typically when we release after service, some, some people, you kind of skedaddle pretty fast. That's a southern language thing, skedaddle. It means you hurry. Just translating, making it, you know. Okay. Um, uh, make sure you stop and see them in Main Street afterwards and, and give them a high five, give them a handshake, let them know you love them and uh, look forward to getting to know them better. So we value creativity. The simple fact is that within inside of any organization, change is a natural part of the growth of an organization. Uh, in fact, if the organization is going to grow, it has to evolve, it has to move forward. And so change is a very natural part of that. In fact, at Arise, we say it this way often. We say we marry the mission and date the model. What does that mean? That means the mission of the church stays the same. You are married to that, baby. It's going forward. Jesus Christ actually set that in Matthew 28. He, we already know the mission of the church. It's the same mission of every church in the world. We know the mission of the church, but the model of the church constantly changes. That's a pretty normal thing. And so models have a shelf life. There's a model of the church that worked in 1960 that didn't work in 1970. That worked in 1980 that didn't work in 1990. There's a model of the church that might have worked 10 years ago that doesn't even work today. And so this model continues to change. And this can be really hard for people. And I'm not really talking, I'm really talking big picture. I'm not talking about the changes that we're, or adaptations we're having today. But, um, but change can be really hard for people because nostalgia is a legitimate thing. In fact, let me, let me express this in the most deep-hearted illustration I can give you on Chick-fil-A. I'm a Plant City boy. Now, I realize in this room there's probably not many of you in Plant City, but I'm a Plant City boy, and for decades in Plant City, we have been crying out to God, send us a Chick-fil-A. We got to go to Brandon <coughs> or Lake, Lakeland. Send us a Chick-fil-A. We have literally, I'm, I'm, I think there's altar teams that pray 24 hours a day over the Chick-fil-A issue. If you live in Plant City, it's a big deal. We've been praying for it for a long time. So lo and behold, God finally, like, like they teased us at one point because there was a Sunnies. They said, we're going to tear down the Sunnies, put a Chick-fil-A there. And everybody's like, yeah. And then they didn't do it. And I'm like, you big teases. So anyway, uh, so, so finally we get the word. We're going to get a Chick-fil-A. We're going to get a Chick-fil-A. And they said, they're going to tear down Buddy Freddy's. Anybody know Buddy Freddy's? Old time people from right here. Buddy Freddy's. We're going to tear down Buddy Freddy's and we're going to put a Chick-fil-A there. And I thought, you can't tear down Buddy Freddy's. Now, here's the funny thing about Buddy Freddy's. I don't even like it. <laughs> Buddy Freddy's was really good many years ago, before they sold many years ago, back when they were making chains and all this. And, and then they sold, and it kind of started going downhill. My wife can't stand it. The only time we go there is when it's the only place left to go. It's like Denny's. Nobody goes to Denny's. You end up at Denny's. It's Buddy Freddy's. I don't even like Buddy Freddy's. 
But I grew up around Buddy Freddy's all the time. And when I was a Plant City kid growing up, Buddy Freddy's was like the place to go. And they had the porch. And you'd sit on the front porch and, and talk. And after different graduation ceremonies, we'd all go to Buddy Freddy's. And all of these different memories of nostalgia surround Buddy Freddy's. And it's powerful, man. And it's so powerful that I don't even like Buddy Freddy's, but I hate the fact that they're tearing it down. And so I'm driving by Buddy Freddy's, and they're tearing it down. And I'm going, you can't tear it, Buddy. I don't even like it, but you can't tear it down. And I really want the Chick-fil-A. At the same time, can you put it somewhere else? Here's the truth. That's the way a lot of us look at changes in the church. I really want this change. I know it's good. I love it. At the exact same time, I also really have this sentimental value around this old thing. And I think in the church at Arise, we have to always be very cautious of recognizing the difference between sentimental things and sacred things. In general, the church has done a very poor job of this. They mix up sacred and sentimental. Hymns are not sacred, they're sentimental. Church styles and models are not sacred, they're sentimental. The Bible is sacred. The Holy Spirit is sacred. The Trinity is sacred. Different parts of theology is sacred. But because we deal with sacred things in one hand and sentimental things in the other hand, it's very easy to juggle them together, and all of a sudden, before you know it, you're kind of mixed up. And, and, and it's a legitimate problem that we often have inside the church. Now, I'll be honest, I don't think we have it very often at Arise, but in the church as a whole, we definitely have it. And so this, 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 this move from, from, from one thing to another can be very difficult sometimes. And if you think it's difficult for us, just imagine being an early Hebrew Jewish boy who grew up girl their entire lives celebrating the covenant that they had between them and God celebrating at every feast that went on the feast of trumpets and the feast of Pentecost and the, the feast of all these different feasts and the Passover and being told the stories over and over and over and over again it created incredible sentiment inside of them they loved being Jewish it was a pride thing I am Jewish I am God's chosen people all you other people are Gentiles, but I am Jewish. And, and this, this mindset that they were brought up with their entire lives created this amazing sentimental value. And then Jesus comes and interrupts all of it. Jesus comes and says, we're going to start a new covenant. There was an old covenant, an Abrahamic covenant that was just for the Jewish people, but there's a new covenant that I'm going to start. And in this new covenant, it will be in my blood and anybody that comes to me can now be part of this covenant. Now, now that's a big deal. Like if you're a Jewish kid growing up and you've taught it your whole life, you've studied it your whole life, you've memorized the Torah, and now all of a sudden you're Lord, realizing that what I memorized, why it's, while it's important and valuable, is not the covenant that it was a page just got turned. <laughs> That's a tough thing to be involved in. Welcome to the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews, as we talk about it, is written to the Hebrews, the Jewish people. And it's written to a people that obviously know the Old Testament. In fact, there's a ton of references to and from the Old Testament. And it's really a compare and contrast throughout the book of Hebrews, comparing the Old Covenant with the New Covenant. By the way, for those who don't know this, Old Covenant is just another word for Old Testament. 
your Bible's divided in two, most of it being Old Testament, a part of it being New Testament. It's Old Covenant and New Covenant. And, and, and these people were very much involved in the Old Covenant, but now there's a new one, and they're struggling because all they had ever known was the old, and now Jesus came and invited this new one, and now there's Gentiles coming into the coming into the fold of, of God's chosen. And, and I'm not taking away from the Jews. They're still God's chosen still to this day. But there's others coming into the vine. They're being grafted into this vine who are not Jewish. And they eat weird. They eat at Sonny's and go to get barbecue pork wing, pork wings, pork, pork food. They pray weird. They do weird things. <coughs> They're not always circumcised. If your kid, go ask your parents what that is later. They're not, they, they do these weird things. They're Gentiles. They're not like us. We're God's elect. We're God's special. But now we're coming together in this new covenant. Now you have to put yourself in that to understand this book of Hebrews. The old covenant was very rigid and harsh. It was the Ten Commandments followed by about 620 more commandments they had kind of added onto it. It was all these commands. Thou shalt not do this. Don't do this. It was very rigid. It was very exact. It was very harsh. And then they step into a new covenant, which is a covenant of love. That instead of saying everything you shouldn't do and everything you should do, it teaches you that you should love your neighbor as yourself. That, that, that you should actually love people the way that Jesus loved you. It goes from the golden rule, love your neighbor as yourself, to the platinum rule, as I have loved you, so love one another. And, and so, so all of a sudden it goes from this, this harsh, written on stone tablets rule, rigid, strong, I know exactly what I'm not supposed to do, and it creates a religious environment to a love relationship that's not written on stone tablets, it's written on your heart. In fact, just, just follow the very beginning of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 1. Let's read the first three verses. It says, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. Well, if I had time to preach verse 3, it's powerful. The Son is the radiance of God's glory. <laughs> Oh, if you go home and ponder that, y'all talked about meditation on first Wednesday. Go home and meditate on that. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. He had provided purification for sin. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. There's this, there's this new thing coming. And the writer of Hebrews, which by the way, nobody knows who wrote it. But the writer of Hebrews is obviously writing to a Hebrew group that would understand. And he's saying, listen, you had prophets before. Now you have the prophet, Jesus Christ. And if that's not aggressive enough, listen to uh, chapter 8, verse, starting in verse 8. He's talking to these people and he said, But God found fault with the people and said, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a, a what? Can you all see that in the back? A what? A new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them up out of Egypt, the one you've been celebrating your entire life. This one's going to be new and grander and even better because they did not remain faithful to my covenant. And I turned away from them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will establish with the people of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. 
I no longer will teach them. I will never, I will know, I will, or sorry, no longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest. For I will forgive their wickedness and I will, and will remember their sins no more. By calling this covenant new, uh-oh, this is going to mess some of your theology all up. I didn't say this, the writer of Hebrews did. By calling this covenant new, he has made the first one obsolete. And what is obsolete and outdated will soon disappear. I say that I mess up some of your theology because some of us by human nature, it's like a magnetic pull back to religion and back to the old ways. We love to quote the Old Testament. We love to quote the Old Covenant and try to bring it in because the Old Covenant is a little easier because it's written down. You can say exactly what it is. The New Covenant's written on your heart. It's a little harder sometimes to understand. It's easier to tell you what you shouldn't do than express to you how you should love somebody. <laughs> so in the midst of this, one of, the, one of the serious changes that started to take place is under the old covenant, God spoke to people, and you just read this in, in chapter 1 right off the bat, God spoke to people through prophets and priests and judges and, and different church leaders, or, or, or it wasn't church at the time, but different uh, national leaders, and God would speak to the leader, the leader would speak to the people, but you as an individual person didn't actually expect to hear from God. In fact, in some cases, when God does speak to people, they're so shocked, they don't know what to do with it. You remember the little boy by the name of Samuel? God speaks to him, and Samuel's going, I, 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 this was not normal. This was not a normal customary practice. But in the new covenant, God speaks to everyone. Again, mess up your theology. You don't have to come to me to get a word from God. You don't have to go to a prophet or a priest or anybody else to get a word from God. That was old covenant. In the new covenant, you can go straight to the throne room of God yourself. That's next week's message, so I don't want to take that away too much. So this is our main scripture, and this was all an introduction to get to where we're going now, and I won't be too long, I promise. Hebrews 3, 7 through 8. So as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, some translations say when you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness. All right, if you're taking notes, let's go. Number one, God is speaking. God is speaking. What a, a, a powerful truth. One of the things that separates Christianity from every other religion in the world is that is our understanding that God is speaking to us. Every other religion, you have forms and practices. You can go to Islam, and they can pray over and over every day, sometimes in a language they don't even necessarily understand. And they hopefully will bless God. Hopefully they will uh, uh, get his favor based on their obedience. But there's no expectation that God is going to speak back to them. You can go to, to Hindus worshiping idols, and they may worship the idols, but there's very little expectation that the idol is ever going to speak back. You know why? Because it never does. <coughs> But within Christianity, God is speaking. And we are actually created to hear God's voice. Dr. Alfred Tomatis is an ear expert, and he says this. He says, the ear has a poor psychological response to pure sounds. Instead, it loves complexity. <laughs> In order for the human ear to hear, uh, or I'm sorry, for the human ear to respond tangibly, a minimum of three frequencies must be put into simultaneous play. You need three sounds wrapped together to actually let your voice hear. Your ear was made to hear from the Trinity. 
God is speaking to this day. Now, I don't say a lot of controversial things. That's not my style. I I tend just to preach the truth. I have one-on-one conversations with controversial things. And so I really, I'm just going to be honest with you, I really hesitated on making this next slide. At the exact same moment, I think this is a massive problem in the church. And at least in our church, you need to know, okay? Ready? Here we go. Some people will teach that God only speaks through the Bible. This is anti-biblical and against the testimony of the entire New Testament. Now, I respect a lot of teachers who are like, God only speaks through the Bible. The Bible is the primary place God speaks. It is the rule that everything is judged by. But by no means is it the only place that God speaks. And if you live like that, you start going back into Old Covenant. Are you all with me? Now the law is written on stones of tablets, but not stones of tablets, written on papers of papyrus. <laughs> yeah, I got that. Because if you live like that, it destroys, it takes the energy out of the church, it sucks the life out of the church, because what you end up doing is replacing the Holy Bible or the Holy Spirit with the Holy Bible. I'm not going to de-emphasize the Bible. The Bible is, is beyond important. At the exact same moment, the Holy Spirit is the author of the Bible, and he still lives in you. <laughs> so I just want to be careful. And I want us to know the church gets messed up when we get into this kind of theology, and we lose our power. We have the author of the universe who wants to lead us and guide us. Oh, so there's like this New Testament assumption that you're going to hear God's voice nowadays. It's wild. And people will laugh at you and think you're crazy for it. They'll make fun of you on The View. But you can make fun all you want. I would rather hear the voice of God Almighty than any woman on The View. Come on. (laughs) And God is speaking. This is part of our new covenant. This is an incredible benefit of the new covenant that oftentimes Christians don't practice hearing the voice of God. And it's fundamental. It's, it's, It's simplistic. It's not even hard. But many times we've never been taught to hear the voice of God. So let me ask you this question. If God is speaking, do you want to hear him? Because sometimes we grow up with a wrong theology or a wrong view of God, oftentimes based on who our human father was. And so our human father might have been against us and and, and, and violent or angry or whatever, and we think when God speaks, he's going to speak with a sledgehammer. That's not your loving heavenly father. He's a good, good father. He's so good, you got to say it twice. Come on, y'all. He's a good, good father. He's not beating you up with a sledgehammer. He's leading you and guiding you by his presence and his spirit and speaking to you. So so I hope that we, if nothing else, leave this place this morning going, I want to hear from God. Because here's the truth. You will eventually be shaped by the loudest voices in your life. Whoever you're allowing to speak in your life will shape who you become. The scary part of that is some of us spend a lot more time listening to a news anchor or a talk show host or a sports anchor, or a singer on the radio. And we're allowing them to shape who we become instead of allowing the voice of the Lord to shape who we become. Are y'all with me this morning? Y'all paying attention? So you're going to eventually be shaped by the loudest voices in your life. Number two, if you're taking notes, God's people are expected to recognize his voice. This is just normal in the New Testament, yet we seem to have walked away from it a little bit. Listen to Jesus' words in John 10. He said, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He's talking about us. We're the sheep. Everybody say, bah. Okay, you're the sheep. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. 
When he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. They follow him because they know his voice. They follow him because they know. Do you know his voice? But they will never follow a stranger. Uh oh. Because I know a lot of Christians who follow strangers. In fact, they will run away from him because they don't recognize a stranger's voice. In verse 27, he says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Wow. Wow. So, so, so they, they, they hear his, verse 3, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. Not the sheep can. Not the sheep could. It's just part of being a sheep. When you are a sheep, this is what you do. When you are a Christian, you learn to recognize the voice of God in your life. Learning to distinguish God's voice in your life is invaluable to the Christian walk. You will not walk very far as a true Christian until you learn to recognize his voice speaking to you in your life. You need it. You, you, you may not even know how much you need it until you have it. It's one of those kind of things. It's, it's invaluable to your Christian life. So we have to, we, 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 we've got to hear and recognize his voice. Did anybody notice um, my boy Elvis Presley just sang through this room? Anybody catch that? No? You know why you didn't catch that? Because your ears are not attuned to the frequency of the right radio station. Right now, there are radio waves flying through this room waiting for a, an antenna with the right frequency to turn into the right frequency. And when you tune in, y'all remember analog? I know some of you don't know what analog is. It's all digital now. You don't even know what a radio is now. You're like, what do you mean, Spotify? Sort of. <laughs> when, I, when I was a kid, we had analog radios, and you had to turn the radio station. You're like, ain't nothing but a hound dog. And, and you had to turn it. And even once you got the station, sometimes it would then lose it again, and you had to kind of adjust. Yeah, anybody, anybody old enough to remember? Okay, thank you. Make me feel better. Here's the thing. Right now, there are radio signals waiting for the tuner to be adjusted in the right frequency to accept what's being sung or said. It's the same thing with God's voice in your life. We have to learn how to tune into the voice of the Holy Spirit. But most of us have never been trained to do it. We've never taken the time to, 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 to do it. But learning to clearly distinguish God's voice is absolutely invaluable. And it's incredibly powerful. Hearing God's voice is, is powerful. It's powerful. Um, literally, when God speaks to you, it can change everything. Now, I know there's some people around you who have, who have experienced this before. But sometimes you, you, you think you need counseling when what you really need is God to speak. Sometimes you think, I, I think I need a financial breakthrough, but what you really just need is God to speak. In fact, until God speaks, oftentimes you won't get the financial breakthrough. Sometimes the financial breakthrough comes through hearing the voice of God and knowing the next steps to take. I think I need God to restore my marriage, but what you really need is God to speak into your marriage. God speaking is incredibly, incredibly powerful. In fact, I looked this up and found it interesting. At, at 110 decibels, our blood pressure begins to change. At 141 decibels, we become nauseous. At 145 decibels, our, our vision blurs. It's literally because our eyeballs are shaking in our heads. That's kind of funny to me. 
At 195 decibels, our eardrums are in danger of exploding. And anything over 202 decibels can cause death. You know, you could kill somebody by noise. When God speaks, it's incredibly powerful. How do I say this? All, get all apologetic and deep, and I don't have time to do that. But all of the usable energy in the entire universe, 93 million light years width is what they say, all of the usable energy started at one location at one time. Science calls it the Big Bang. You call it Genesis 1-1. And God said, let there be light. Let Boom! He spoke a couple words and we are still using up the energy that that created. God's word is powerful. And if you can get his word in your life, it is powerful to bringing down strongholds and defeating the enemy in your life. And a word from God can carry you through times that you can't carry yourself through. I can't tell you how many times God has spoken to me in words. The most important Things in my life were all things that God spoke to me. This is why you can't get rid of God speaking and only put it in the Bible. The Bible is paramount, but it's not only the Bible. I was at a, a youth camp so many years ago now, and I'm playing guitar, and it was after the service, and slowly teenagers and the adults and the band start fading out and going to the pool or doing whatever they're doing, and it's an hour after the service. I don't know. I've been playing forever. Fingertips hurt. Come on, guitar players. I've been playing forever. And there's probably only 10 people left in the room out of the, all that were in there before. And I'm sitting there playing, and Ada and I were dating at the time, and she's kneeling down in front of me. And she's sitting on the floor like she still does to this day, sitting on her, on her back of her legs. I would do it, but I'll never get back up. <laughs> and her hair's coming down on her face, and mascara's running, and snot's going, and it's the picture of beauty. <laughs> it really is. And she's right there, and she's crying out to God, and she's got her hands up like this. And all of her hair's a mess, and her face is a mess. And, and I'm sitting there, and I'm singing these songs, and God spoke to me as clear as day. Not an audible voice, but as clear as day. And said, she's the one you're going to marry, and this is why. Twenty-some-odd years later, that's still why I love her. It's not just because she's beautiful. It's not just the other things. It's her heart for the Lord that connected us. It was God that brought us together. Fast forward, uh, just 11 and a half years ago or something now, it's in this radical circumstance where God began to show me that he was going to send me to this little little church in the middle of Brandon called Brandon Assembly of God, little A-frame with a steeple and not a lot of people left. And God began to speak to me, and I knew beyond a doubt God was going to send me to this church. I knew it. In fact, I used to go to the church at night, and I would pray for it when nobody was there. And, and I would walk around with anointing oil, and I would anoint the door knobs and handles. For you guys who were around back then, the few of you, I can't imagine what Pastor Julie or Pastor Steve trying to open the doorknobs like, what's wrong? Who, who put oil on these doorknobs? But I'd go anoint it. I'd pray over it. 12.30, 1 a.m. in the morning, I'm praying over the church. Because I knew, I, God had spoken to me. I knew it was mine. And I'm going, how come the board can't figure this out yet? Why are they taking so long? I'm not a patient person if you haven't caught on to that. And I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. Long before they hired me, long before I was ever voted in, I knew it. Why? Because God spoke to me. I remember walking around a lake one time, praying, crying out to God. I was in a tired place, and, and I was just babbling, talking to God. God, I need this, and God, I need that. God, this is that. 
And, and no joke, I can take you to the exact spot. This may be the most powerful time God ever spoke to me. I can take you to the exact spot on the lake. And God stopped me and he said, do you want to hear what I have to say? Are you done talking? <laughs> I'm, I'm just being real. You can talk to God like this. This is the new covenant. I know to some of you this is wild, but this is the new covenant. And I stopped right there, literally stopped in my tracks. Nobody's around, around this lake. And I said, God, yeah, what do you want to say? And God said a couple words. He said, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. Four words. Drop me to my knees. I began to weep and cry. My dad never said that to me. Other people didn't say that to me. So much of what I had accomplished, if the truth were known, sometimes is me still trying to win people's favor. And God goes, listen, I just want you to know I'm proud of you. And that one word changed my identity deep inside. God's, when God speaks, it's powerful. It's powerful. Other times I remember walking around, and I do a lot of prayer walking. That's my style. And I remember walking and, and talking to God, and I was so stressed out because I knew we had to reach it and rename the church from Brandon Assembly God to something. Didn't have a clue what that was going to be. Didn't know how to do it. Didn't, you know, all this was going on. And, and I'm just stressed out over it. I'm talking to God about it. And, and, and in the middle of that, once again, I kind of felt like the Lord wanted to speak to me, so I stopped. In all my stress, God said, have I not led you all this time? And I'm like, yeah. He said, when I decide to change the name, I will tell you when that is, and I will let you, I will lead you in what name that's going to be. Why are you stressing out over it? There's some of you in this room, you just need that word right there. You are stressing out over things because it's not your time. Anybody, anybody use a GPS? Everybody uses a GPS, right? Some of you are like, I never raised my hand. I just got you to raise your hand right there. If you use a GPS, it's an incredibly powerful thing. Like, like Ada and I got in the car and drove to North Carolina two weeks ago, and um, I put the GPS on only to watch for cops. <laughs> um, but the truth was, once we got on I-75 and started heading north, the GPS is silent. The GPS does not talk until it's time to turn. Sometimes the Father will not necessarily tell you the next step until it's time to get to that next step, and we're all stressed out over what it is. We're, we're in Macon thinking we're in Atlanta. <laughs> Going, I just hit traffic, God. This has got to be Atlanta. And he said, you ain't hit no, no kind of traffic yet. Trust me, son. <laughs> and, 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 and you think, and God's going, just keep going. Just keep going. Don't stress over it right now. I'll, I'll tell you. I've led you all these years. I'll tell you when it's time to turn. I'll tell you when it's time to change. And this has been the story of my life, that God leads us like that. That's what he does. It's what he does. When we bought our house was another one of those moments. Literally every key moment in my life, I think God spoke to me about. And I'll be honest with you, I'm not sure I want to make the decisions without God speaking to me about them. Come on. This is the new covenant. This is what you and I are called into. So let's, let's wrap it up. Let's go to point number three. So what does that mean? We must tune in to God's voice. Some of us have way too much static going on. We are more tuned into the voice than God's voice. Uh-oh. Proverbs 37 says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. He delights in his ways. God wants to lead you, and he wants to guide you. So what do we have to do? We have to develop our tuner. So, so this is going to, Pastor Tina is the master of taking what I say, turning it into 15 steps, walking you down each part of the journey. I'm going to do my version of it. It's really simple. Spend time with God. 
The more time you spend in God's presence, the more you will tune into his voice and recognize his voice. First of all, you're giving him opportunity to do that. Because if you're always running, you don't have an opportunity to sit down and listen. But second of all, you become acquainted to his voice. I'll tell you something about me that you probably don't know. Um, uh, I am a huge Ray Charles fan. Huge Ray Charles fan. I think, I think you know, he, God like, gave him a special gift. Like his voice, I just, I'm just a huge Ray Charles fan. And I went through a season in my life uh, years ago where I listened to Ray Charles all the time. I still put it on in my, in my office a lot. I'll use like Ray Charles radio in my office, which is not analog. Um, in my office, and, and I just, I just, I'm a huge fan of Ray Charles. It's a funny thing now, because I've spent so many years listening to the voice of Ray Charles. I can be like, I can be like in the mall or someplace where you got all this other noise, and all of a sudden I'll hear something that, that nobody else is hearing. I'll hear Ray Charles singing, I got a woman way over town that's good to me. Nobody else in the mall is even noticing that's playing, because it's so dim, and you got all the, the, the noise of the people around you. All of a sudden I go, that's Ray Charles. Yeah, there's Ray Charles up there. Happen, happens fairly regular because God bless him, poor guy's elevated music nowadays, but happens, happens all the time. Why? Because I spent so much time listening to Ray Charles, I recognize his voice now. When you, it's very simple. It's not complicated. When you spend time listening to God's voice in his presence, reading his very word that he's given you, all of a sudden you'll be walking through the mall yourself and God will speak to you about the woman behind the counter. All of a sudden, you're walking through the mall. You're not even looking for a word from God necessarily. You're not like, oh, shun, da, da, da. You're, you're just walking through the mall. And God's like, hey, why don't you give that guy over there 20 bucks? He needs it. And you'll hear his voice, which comes back to that other thing I asked earlier. If God is speaking, do you actually want to hear his voice? Because if we're not obedient, he'll, if we're not obedient, he'll stop speaking to you. Because he'll wait till you make the last turn he called you to make before he's going to speak again. <laughs> That's a deeper message for another day. So we have to develop our tuner. And, and I, I get ready to wrap up with this. As Christians, we oper often operate from a place of mystery, not mastery. <clears throat> we have a relationship with God, not a relationship to a covenant. Or, or I should say it this way, not a relationship like they had in the old covenant. When you have a relationship with God who has person-like attributes, all of a sudden, it's like having a relationship with Mike compared to having a relationship with Ten Commandments. It's different. You've got to ebb and flow when you have a relationship. And you have a relationship with God now through Jesus. It's not just sterile. And so because of that, you will always be operating to a degree out of a place of mystery. You're never going to fully comprehend God. In fact, logically speaking, if you could comprehend God, you would be God. You will never fully comprehend God. And the second you think you got something down, he'll change it just so he, you keep chasing him. So you will operate from a place of mystery, not mastery. God is not a vending machine that if you hit A7, you're going to get the Twinkie, okay? He's not a vending machine that you're going to pray this way and say these exact words and God's going to do this. It doesn't work. He's a relationship, relationship. Now, because of that, we have to develop our tuner, but we got to be careful of two extremes. The two extremes are mysticism, and human rationalization. These are the two extremes that, that the church tends to fall into. You can get the ultra-charismatic people that become all mystical with everything, and, you know, God's in the clouds, and he's whatever. And, and, and it becomes so mystical because they get a little funny and a little weird. Sorry if I'm offending anybody, but they just do. The charismatic church is notorious for this. But then the other extreme is becoming so humanly, 
using human rationalization so much that I have to understand God. I gotta figure him out. I've gotta understand everything. And you're never gonna understand everything. You'll never hear God that way either. The truth is there's a balance somewhere in between those two where God loves to live and loves to speak to you and have a relationship with you. So be careful, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater because you've seen some mysticism in the church. I've seen those crazy holy rollers, weird, whatever. You know, they're praying and God gave them the parking space, whatever, I'm teasing if that's you, but. But then you get some of the church world that's like, God doesn't speak anymore, it's only through the Bible. And when the apostles died, suddenly God stopped speaking, which is just ridiculous. It's not either one of those. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Y'all know what that means, right? It's another Southern thing. I know we got a bunch of New Yorkers around here. God is speaking to you today. He said today, if you hear his voice, again, other translations say when you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. I have to wonder how oftentimes is God speaking to me, but I don't hear it because I got a hard heart. I don't hear it because I'm so distracted by something else. I don't hear it because I'm so busy that it takes God shouting at me in order to get my attention, which is usually not a healthy thing, just like as a parent. What is God speaking to you today? What is God speaking to you today? What if the creator and author of all things actually wants to have a personal relationship with you? and wants to lead you and guide you through life in your decisions so that you become an instrument of his. What if we are all chess pieces on God's infinite chessboard that he wants to move around when he deems fit, not just us? Stand up with me if you would, let's wrap up. God is speaking. There is a natural pull to go back into religion. It's human nature. There's a natural pull that we would fall back away from God and become religious. It's the old covenant. It's the very thing that the writer of Hebrews is trying to address. That we don't have to go back anymore. That was good, that had its moment. And I know there's some sentimental value and it's easier maybe, but it's time to move forward into the new thing. Would you bow your heads with me around the room? There's some of you in this room and God's been speaking to you already during the service and he's calling you to make a personal relationship, to have a personal relationship with him. He's calling you to an act of surrender, to give your life over to him, to make you the chess piece on his board, not yours. And you think when you do that, you're giving something up, but you're not giving something up, you're gaining something great. I don't wanna believe, take the moment too long, but if that's you in this room, would you just stick your hand up and wave it at me around this room? Amen. 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 Come on, pray with me, everybody. Say, Jesus, I need you. And from this day forward, I surrender my life completely to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on. Amen, amen, amen. I'm gonna invite our prayer team to come on up front. We're gonna 
sing a closing song. And if you want special prayer for anything this morning, I wanna invite you out of your seats to come pray with us. I believe there's communion on the back right corner, your back right corner, that, that you can receive communion this morning if you would like to as well. And somebody's gonna be back there to officiate that with you. I wanna challenge you to be people that practice God's presence. Because by practice, practicing his presence, if you weren't here for first Wednesday, go see Pastor Tina, she'll give you some good notes. By practicing his presence, you begin to tune into the voice of God. And when you tune into the voice of God, he will lead you and guide you throughout your life. His word becomes a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. And not, not just his written word, but his spirit speaking to you as a word. Amen? Amen. Thank you for watching this message today. We ask that you hit the subscribe button and share this message on all social platforms. Man, we are hoping that you were encouraged and blessed by what you heard. And we cannot wait to see you next time.